Welcome to the 49ers You've Got Mail podcast sponsored by Manscaped. It is one of the most highly anticipated times of the year, the most highly discussed, highly analyzed. That's because it's draft week and we're getting into the nitty gritty of what is going on with the 49ers in particular that ever discussed number three overall pick. But with that, I'm super happy to welcome veteran NFL reporter Scott Bear, who has covered Bay Area teams like the formerly known Oakland Raiders and the 49ers for the past eight years. Scott, thank you so much for joining us here with the 49ers. How's it going? Man, I can't be more excited to talk NFL draft and more importantly, to talk about the most interesting team in this NFL draft, the most yeah. interesting selection in this NFL draft coming up at number three overall. It seems like number one and number two, which normally hold that title, yeah. already kind of pretty clear what's going to happen there. But what? the 49ers do what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do at that number three pick. Uh, It's been fascinating for months. There's been so much talk, so much hype, so much speculation. I can't wait until they're on the clock, hand that card over and we see who they take. I feel like the Twitter verse is going to have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, we've been waiting literally. It feels like this draft, not the draft, but this, this trade happened not even about a month ago, but I feel like this has been the longest 30 days of our lives, just waiting for draft day to come and seeing what this team is actually going to do with that number three overall pick. But yeah, you're right. It's one of the most fascinating teams in this draft because it it seems as it stands right now, it seems like we know what's going to happen at pick number one. We know what's going to happen at pick number two, but it's just this, this wild card, you know, you hear people saying some names, you hear other names, but I really believe that what the 49ers decide to do with this number three overall pick will completely change the rest of this draft. Looking at teams trying to jump up or what people trying to move to get guys like so much can happen. This will be the first domino, I believe, to fall that will kind of change the trajectory of the draft. Yeah. And you bring up a great point that normally these these types of trades happen during the draft. And then you have 10 minutes to absorb everything that's happened. Uh, we've had weeks and weeks and weeks to absorb and speculate. And it's so interesting, obviously, within uh, the great 49ers fan base, right? And uh, in the Bay Area, it's also of national interest. So you have national insiders weighing in. Every mock draft seems to have somebody different. Now, it's not every position on the board necessarily. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made it very clear they're going to take a quarterback, right? But there are so many intriguing options. And to your point, once they make their selection in writing, then teams who are interested in the remaining quarterbacks are going to be jumping and dipping and diving and trying to scrounge for what is a very good quarterback grouping. Uh, We heard at at yesterday's pre-draft press conference that Kyle Shanahan says that he likes five guys. Well, he's not the only one who thinks five guys are of upper caliber. And as he also said, there's not 32 guys on this planet who can be an upper level NFL quarterback. So you want to go get one. And I think it's going to be entertaining, explosive. And that first domino, everything is going to happen when the 49ers are on the clock. Okay. I've been waiting for Thursday to hurry up and rush by, but you just got me excited again, just talking about it. So I'm I'm ready for Thursday, but again, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We're going to have exclusive content from you 
all draft week long on 49ers.com with some insights to what's going to be happening. So make sure you guys check that out. But before jumping in, I know we've already kind of got the engine started, but I want to take just a a brief step back and just give us a little bit of an overview. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, covering Bay Area sports teams. Just give us a a little introduction. Yeah, so uh, I covered the Chargers back when they were in San Diego, and apparently I am a a bad luck charm when it comes to NFL teams uh, remaining in the same city uh, because the Chargers moved to L.A., and then I came up here and covered the Raiders, and then they moved to Las Vegas. So not a great thing. Uh, 49ers with that beautiful Levi's Stadium are going absolutely nowhere. Uh, Faithful to the Bay, as they like to say. Wow, Mm -hmm. that rhyme. Wasn't intentional, but still happened. I'm going to take credit for it. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I also took the 49ers through the uh, through that awesome Super Bowl run um, down in South Beach. Uh, covered the team for for a bit in 2020. And gosh, you know, I I've kind of known because I'm a San Diego guy. John Lynch is a San Diego guy. I feel, I feel like I've been hearing about John Lynch, whether it's as a high school football player. Uh, or what have you forever. So pretty familiar with him as well. And uh, like I said, not only is it just the number three pick, right? But this is not a team that fits in the number three draft slot. And we're going to get into this more uh, as we talk about the podcast, but that as as we get on with the pod, but that's what makes it so interesting to me, right? This is not a team uh, with a billion holes to fill. This is one where if they make the right draft selections, add the right depth, add the right quarterback, then you're looking at, oh man, is this a Super Bowl contender right away? So uh, that's what I think is so fascinating. That's why I really can't wait in this pod and through all the writing that we're going to be doing uh, over the next seven days to see exactly how this thing goes down. Again, so interesting, so fascinating, stoked to be a part of it. Yeah, and and you also have to make one of the biggest connections. I'm a San Diego person too, San Diego State alumni. So we got tons of connections over here. I you, love it. John all Lynch, the way from SoCal, all the way up the coast, <laughs> all the way up the coast. Here we are uh, in Santa Clara preparing for the draft. But um, looking at you know, you said you covered this 49ers team during that 2019 Super Bowl run, and and you saw what happened in 2020. Obviously, this roster decimated by injuries, but I just want to get your perspective and outside look. What's been your initial take on this 49ers team as of late with John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, what they're building, uh, what they're trying to build their trajectory, all of that. How do you view that? What, what do you take away from that? I think they had a sneaky, legit, awesome off season, right? Normally you take winners of the off season when they sign huge money, free agents that don't come from their system. That's generally a sign that you're grasping at straws, desperation. Those teams don't often go on to absolute success. Uh, But when you look at what the 49ers did, right, could you have ever expected how many guys they would be able to re-sign? They gave Trent Williams huge money, but you think of all of the important cogs to that Super Bowl run, got so many of them back from, you know, from, from Williams to Juice to, you know, D Ford back in the fold, DJ Jones, what's not to like about that guy, right? So there's all these kind of under the radar signings that keep your depth and your team chemistry solid, right? So what you need is you need guys to stay healthier than they were last year during what was an absolute series of freak occurrences uh, covered that game in week two where where the 49ers lost Bosa and you see the type of 
I mean, he should have gotten an MVP vote just to see how much that uh, that they missed him, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's why I think it's intriguing. And I think that if they can build on this good offseason and get maybe a signal caller for now or in the future, and you can shore up some depth uh, throughout this draft, I think that you can walk in, come in with a full offseason, despite the fact the NFC West is loaded, right? But I think I think you better put some a respect on the 49ers name for what they've been able to do, even if it hasn't been super duper flashy to this point. You know, you hear that a lot. And maybe this is because I'm one of those people. I, I see what people say on Twitter, but, but you know, you see a name become available and everyone's like, Oh, why didn't the 49ers go after this person? Why didn't they go after that person? And you're right. They didn't necessarily make these splashy moves, but they sure did shore up a lot of that depth, a lot of those key players. And they talk about keeping that core together, keeping a good players in-house and rewarding those guys in-house. And that's certainly what they did. But you just sparked an idea as you were talking about this. And now I'm interested. You you, you see what's happened around the NFC West. Um, I mean, we can talk about what the Cardinals did, obviously what's going on with the Rams and getting their quarterback. But but. What do you kind of make of what's been happening in the NFC West? Do one of these signings stand out more than another for you? Do you do you see maybe this hierarchy of teams shifting over this this next season? What do you kind of take away from everything that's happened over the last couple of months? I think all of these teams are going to be bruised and battered when they go through this division, all these home and homes yeah. that, that I can't imagine any one of these teams having a perfect unbeaten record within the NFC West. There's too much talent there. There's too much of that internal rivalry. And I think there's too much parity. Now that doesn't mean these teams are average. I think these teams are above average. You look at the Cardinals, you don't know what, what their highest ceiling is. You like what they're doing. Uh, call me a pessimist. I'm fine with it, but the Matt Stafford thing doesn't move the needle at all for me. I'm sure there will be a bunch of people on Twitter who will hear this podcast and call me an idiot for saying it, but you got to win something to prove something to me. And that hasn't happened with him yet, but there's a lot of interesting things going on there. Seattle is Seattle. I think the Seahawks 49ers rivalry is going to be as real as ever. Again, I sort of alluded to it last time, right? The biggest offseason pickup in this division full of crazy off-season pickups between what happened last year and what will happen in 2021, it's Nick Bosa on Instagram, right? It's <laughs> showing that that ACL is healthy. And he's when he's back to being himself, which is an absolute dominant force, a game-changing yeah. force, whether he's getting sacks or pressures or just solid, you don't see it unless you're watching film run defense. That's as big of an upgrade as there can be. Uh, and I know I'm on the 49ers podcast, but I just don't think that that can be underscored. Him coming back and being healthy. And if somehow D Ford can come back and be healthy and Eric Armstead steadiness, uh, that's an answer to, I mean, Matt Stafford's going to be running a lot if that's the case, right? So um, I think it's going to be an interesting division. And I think the 49ers are going to be right in the mix of it. Um, no matter what happens with their quarterback situation, there's a lot of moving parts that we're going to talk about. But the best part about it is it's fascinating that we just want to dissect every little single part of this thing because there's so many interesting things going on. Yeah, I, I love I love the breakdown of, of one of the biggest uh, moves. I don't know what we want to call it, but it, it is what we've seen of Nick Bosa and his rehab. And we've seen him on 
on Instagram showing his workouts and being, you know, my math is terrible. What, seven months removed, eight months removed from that uh, season ending injury. So I I think I speak on behalf of all the faithful. We are excited to see Nick Bosa back. I know George Kittle said that the person he's most excited to see, he was saying in a press conference, is seeing Nick Bosa take the field. So I think it's it's a pretty valid sentiment across the the fan base but all right let, let's transition to Nick Bosa's one first rounder and let's let's go a little bit into this next first rounder that's what all the talk is about it's about this number three overall pick and there's been so much speculation on surrounding what the 49ers are going to do and odds have been shifting week to week people outside the organization chiming in on what they suspect in-house but Everything aside, do you think that Kyle and John are kind of enjoying this media circus that's going on surrounding the 49ers? <laughs> I think to a certain point, you want as much haze and Carl the Fog around what you're going to do as possible, right? You want that nice summer Bay Area, can't see the car in front of you sort of a situation, making it murky about what you're going to do with their pick. Um, I think probably at this point, now that we're so close to it and it's been a month of speculation, Kyle mentioned it in his pre-draft press conference. He can't go to a restaurant or his kid's soccer game without an umpire or a server or somebody giving their opinion on what should happen at number three overall. I'm sure that can get a little tiresome uh, after a while. Now we've been enjoying it, right? Cause there's plenty to talk about and there's plenty of speculation out there, but there's nothing wrong with keeping people guessing. Now, normally what happens is that they just kind of say nothing. I love that Kyle is confident enough for him to say, as he did yesterday, why would, like, what good does it do me for me to tell you who I'm going to take right now? What good does it do me to eliminate anything as a possibility? How can you argue with that logic, even if the reporter in us desperately wants him to tell us exactly what he's going to do, right? Um, So that's why I I like his candor. uh, I like his confidence. um, And that's why I think what it comes down to is when you look at number three, the 49ers have done something that most teams would die for, is have an element of control in the NFL draft. You're always subject to what's going to happen in front of you. Well, unless something absolutely bonkers happens, they're very confident what's going to happen in front of them. They can see the see the remaining talent pool the, and the remaining field. They've eliminated guesswork. Their fingers don't need to be crossed, right? Now they can go in, Kyle can evaluate as he has been doing and make the pick that he wants to that he wants to make uh, and that trade allowed him to do that. Yeah. And I love how you said that. It's that element of control. We talked to them uh, once they made that jump up and they talked about not wanting to be left at the altar sitting there at 12. And if they know that they have a guy in mind or like they said in that press conference, five guys in mind and they can have their choice at a number of them, that trade had to be made. And so now they do sit in that position where they do have that control. But we're talking about Uh, that press conference that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had. And, you know, everyone wants to know, you know, reporters were blatantly or bluntly asking, you know, okay, well, tell us about X person. What do you like about X prospect? And, you know, trying to get as much information out out of Kyle and John as they can. But like you put it, you know, why do they have to tell us? I mean, and it makes sense why they're keeping their cards as close to chess as possible. But looking at everything that we learned during that press conference, what do you think was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, I, I think it was the fact that even 
even in this situation, right, that they're not going to say exactly who they're going to take, but they've made it very plain and clear they're going to take a starting quarterback, right? And when it comes to these pre-draft press conferences, it's not just 49ers. It's every pre-draft press conference in 32 different markets, right, is trying to wade through the ambiguity that they like to create. Uh, 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 Coach, uh, GM, are you willing to make a trade? Yeah, we could trade up or down. Uh, uh, which player are you looking at? Uh, the best player on our board. Uh, are you drafting for need? You know what? We're just going to evaluate the, okay. Like you get what I'm saying, right? Like all these platitudes, um, you know, that the 49ers because of that element are like of control is they can say, we are looking for a starting quarterback, right? That's as plain as it gets. Um, Kyle Pitts, keep your phone on silent during the number three overall selection, right? Um, but nonetheless, so I, I think that they learn that they're they that just that they're very candid and they're very confident in the options that they're going to have there, and that's the most important thing. I think a lot of the discussion, right, is what it costs to get to three, um, you know, and whether the value discussion, right. Um, can anybody tell me what exactly what the Chiefs traded for Pat Mahomes? No, because nobody cares because they got Patrick freaking Mahomes, right? That that's all that matters. And ultimately, it's about what you get from this selection and how that player uh, you know, turns out. And I think that Kyle and John were very candid about that point. And, you know, that's why I think that they're gonna walk into Thursday confident in that selection, uh, you know, that they make. Yeah. Um, just just to be honest, I have no idea what the Chiefs traded away to get Patrick Mahomes because they do have Patrick Mahomes. And that's enough said. I can guarantee you that there's not a single person in that fan base who was sweating what was given up to jump up in the draft to grab him. So with that being said, uh, let, let's let's turn the focus to, you know, number three overall is that's that big topic. Fans want to know what are the 49ers want going to do there. But I think, you know, if that's one A, one B is Jimmy Garoppolo uh, still, you know, that's still on the roster. He's still with the 49ers. There's lots of questions going on. He, they were asked yesterday in this press conference, but if I go back to, um, you know, I think about what John and Kyle were saying earlier. I believe that was back in March and, and their feelings towards Jimmy Garoppolo and saying that they expect him to be on the roster in 2021. And, you know, they were asked again and Kyle Shanahan, you know, went a little dark on us saying, hey, we don't know if anyone's going to be alive on Sunday. Uh, well, we're hoping we are. You know, I really would like to make it to summer. I, I want to get to the house at some point. But with all that aside, though, looking at what we've learned and, and how we're all analyzing what was said on Monday and going back to maybe what they said when this trade was made, have your feelings changed at all towards what you think about how they feel about Jimmy and his future in San Francisco? Yeah, I, I don't know if it changed my opinion about how I feel about a quarterback who took them to the freaking Super Bowl, right? Um, and they were very close to winning that Super Bowl. Um, so the guy's got the street cred and the credentials to show that he can be productive in this offense. And I'll go back to, and I'll defer to the head coach, right? Again, another in a typically a press conference full of vague generalities, another point of candor for, for Kyle Shanahan is the injuries have an impact. Okay. That, that there have been a couple of instances during the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, tenure where when he's healthy, he's been pretty good, pretty productive. There have been times when they have had to rely on 
second and third string quarterbacks to finish out the season. And I don't, I don't care who you're surrounded by or what team you are. If that happens, the record isn't going to be as good as if your starter was there. And as you continue to go forward and those types of seasons stack up and they have stacked up now that you look back at it and you want more security from the most valuable position. Well, having the number three overall pick plus Jimmy uh, Garoppolo, as opposed to kind of some, uh, some backups that haven't been able to, no backup can produce what a starter can. But nonetheless, that's what I took from that is look, injuries are a factor. Best ability availability, if we want to use the cliche, right? So I think from that standpoint, I think they would be comfortable having Jimmy there. The tough part is this, right? There aren't a lot of good quarterbacks like Alex Smith who did it in Kansas city or Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's done it for, I don't know, every team on the planet who can come in and start while a younger player is developing, right? That, that, that's a pretty tough spot. So it's a matter of circumstance, right? What you can get. I'm, of course, they're going to take a phone call. Uh, what would it cost to get Jimmy? Well, it can be pretty high because they're pretty confident. So I wouldn't say it changed, but I think what Kyle said about the injuries really spoke to me and it spoke to me in a very logical way. Um, so that's why I think there's great, there's both great respect for Jimmy. while also the understanding that they'd like to get a bit more security at that quarterback spot. Uh, they're going to have all those things um, heading into this draft. And, you know, for as interesting as that number three pick is, is going to be right. So is the Garoppolo yeah. situation uh, now and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on and, and on into the future, uh, this team's going to be intriguing as they continue to make moves working their way towards week one. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm going back, you know, I, I'm trying to take away what I learned on Monday and then also what we learned back in March. And they talk about, you know, the value of being able to have a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and someone to come and learn under him. We all know you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have the most simple offense in the NFL. It's known as one of the most complex ones. So you think about having a guy like Jimmy still there in the fold, but it brings me back to looking at what Jimmy brings to this team. And yes, we talk about injuries and, and yes, that cliche of availability is the best ability, but when he is on that field and what he does for this team, since joining the team 22 and eight record as the starter, Ooh. and then conversely, this is the kicker when him with him not in the lineup seven and 26. I think that says a lot. It says a lot about his value, but it that's again, a perfect stat for exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. Exactly. But it goes, but it goes back to his availability, which is why the 49ers had to make this move. They felt like this was the best direction for the future. Now, as of now, he is a member of the 49ers and, and John even said this back in March. If a call comes in, they're, they're going to listen to offers. Not saying they're going to jump at the first one, but they're going to listen. I think nobody is exempt, maybe besides potentially a Nick Bosa and a George Kittle. I don't think many people are exempt from, from being out of that conversation if somebody calls and wants to put in a good offer for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've got to listen. You have to look at the, the best way to get uh, your team the farthest in the next season and in future seasons. And I think this, this, whether they keep Jimmy or not, or de anything that happens, they're in a position 
of power for a couple reasons that we already talked about that they have the control with the draft pick from the trade they have a quarterback who's been to a super bowl with that record that you just said 22 and 8 as a starter with the 49ers that's i think pretty good <laughs> i would say and then that this roster is not your typical number three you know draft pick slot right. roster right that this roster is better so they can look at it and really you know, take a look at all of these different quarterback options. They don't absolutely need someone to come in and start day one. They could develop or they could get a day one starter and trade that they, their options are available to them. They're a, they are not dependent on anything else happening. And that is a strong position to be in. Was it costly? Sure. That's what the market bore out, right? Um, but if you look at what the Jets did, right, you know, like they talk about, okay, so the 49ers had to trade some first round picks uh, for the opportunity to take this quarterback at number three. Well, if, in essence, the New York Jets, when they drafted Sam Darnold number three overall, they gave that pick away, right? They didn't make the playoffs. They have gotten rid of him and now they're back in the quarterback market, right? That 2018 number three overall pick, waste, complete waste, right? So, can the 49ers use all that draft capital, which was theoretical at best, and turn it into a really good franchise quarterback that can be here for 10 years and work Kyle Shanahan's system and partner with him to make an entertaining, productive, and efficient offense, yeah. right? If that happens, that's all that matters. And the best thing about Garoppolo being here from a big picture 49ers, John Lynch and Kyle viewing it from 30,000 feet perspective is there isn't the absolute passionate rush that there would be in another situation. So again, luxury item, and they can make the best decisions for themselves based upon that. Again, it's a position that very few teams have. It's a position that the 49ers have uh, traded for, bought, and, and, and afforded themselves and, uh, you know, if they make the right calls here, there is absolutely no reason I can see logically why they cannot make a jump that why 2020 wouldn't be a true outlier season. And they hop right back on the momentum train that they were on in 2019. Manscaped is the official below the waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. I, I want to stick on, you know, we, we're talking about Jimmy and I want to shift a little bit to this current 49ers roster um, mm -hmm. and looking ahead to some of the pieces that they have going into 2021 and maybe some that they don't have. And so with that, it's the perfect time to throw it in some with some of our fan questions. And I'm going to take our first one. It's from Armando Correa from San Antonio, Texas. Armando wants to know, have we found a replacement for Richard Sherman yet? We're jumping straight from Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going right into Richard Sherman. What's up with Sherm? Have we found a replacement? And, and I'll jump in uh, first, and if you have anything to add, Scott, but uh, as of now, Sherm's still a free agent. 49ers were able to uh, re-sign Jason Verrett. They're able to re-sign Emmanuel Mosley. Um, I, I think I'm missing another name in there, but uh, that 49ers- Williams, Dante Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the 49ers have some pieces there. Do I necessarily think it's a replacement for Richard Sherman? No, but I think in in one of our next topics we're going to talk about in that in just a bit. But I do think that that's a position of need for the 49ers. Um, 
and not necessarily his replacement, but they have pieces there and they're clearly comfortable enough with those two pieces uh, that they didn't necessarily have to go too much out outside of the organization to bring in talent. But Scott, what's your take on, on the cornerback position for the 49ers? I don't know if he ever replaced a guy who's one of the best to ever do it, right? There's no, oh, well, we lost Ronnie Lott. Can we go pluck another Ronnie Lott out of the free agent pool? I mean, that type of thing doesn't happen, nor does it happen where you can get rid of his Richard's presence and his locker room leadership and his ability to, from a selfish media person's perspective, his incredible ability to sum everything up in a logical passionate, entertaining way, uh, that stuff can't be replaced. But I think they found a guy that they feel comfortable starting last year, right? You mentioned Jason uh, Barrett. I've seen him play when he was with the Chargers. I've seen him play at a really high level. The problem is he's only two times in six seasons has he played 13 or more games. Lots of injury history. That was the big knock on him coming out of TCU when he was a first-round draft pick. But 49ers fans saw firsthand how good this guy can be. There's never once in the history of his career has anyone said, he's really not that talented. I mean, that's not a thing, right? He is supremely talented when he's healthy. Um, so I think that, that that that's a good spot. And I think if you look at it and they have Mosley and they have Williams, you look at that starting cornerback core and you're like, all right, I can go to Sundays with this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, replacing Richard Sherman. I mean, like, that's really tough. I'm curious, what do you think about walking into a season saying mostly that outside cornerback spots yours for 16 games? Are you comfortable there? Uh, He's done some good things for the 49ers uh, in the past. We all know what Brett can do when healthy. Nobody can argue against the fact that uh, Williams is one of the best nickel corners that there is. What about Mosley? Are you confident saying 16 games, go for it? You know what? I am. And I say that because I, I look at him being, and I'm trying to remember my years because some of them become a blur, but I think it might've been 2019 season, but 49ers dealing with injuries. He's thrust into the the starting lineup. This is an undrafted guy. Uh, 49ers obviously saw something in him in training camp and, and had enough confidence in him being put in as a starter. And I mean, he excelled in that role. So with that, and through his experience, and, and even last year, you know, he starting off the season, he wasn't the 49ers starting cornerback. Akello Witherspoon wasn't. He was off to a pretty decent start, but then injuries happen, and Akello, or and uh, Emmanuel Mosley is thrown back into the lineup and kind of picks up where he took off. Um, because of that, I'm comfortable with Emmanuel Mosley being a starter. I think because he might not be one of those big flashy names that we know of a Jason Verrett or Richard Sherman, uh, some of these other guys out here, because he might not be a name of that caliber. People might shy. Well, like, Hey, we need a bigger name here, but I do think he has the talent. And, and even before he le- departed, Robert Sala always had so much praise for Emmanuel Mosley and the type of cornerback he is. Now with this all being said, do I necessarily feel like the 49ers are like, Hey, I think we're pretty set. Let's kick our feet up. We're good for the rest of the draft. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to get better at every single position. And do I foresee a lot of camp battles? Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And you, you, you know, you talk to some of these draft analysts and they're saying that that sweet spot in that draft for maybe a starting caliber cornerback is that first back into that first to the second round. 
that's your sweet spot. And the 49ers have that, what I believe the 43rd overall pick. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but having that, that pick right there, I think is very, very valuable. Uh, and a, a good prime spot to maybe get somebody to, to compete with Emmanuel Mosley. Um, we don't even know if Jason Verrett's locked in, you know, everything's a battle. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens and what transpires beginning this week. And then also heading into training camp next week. So, or not next week, later on this summer, I wish training camp was next week. I'm ready for season. <laughs> to start. But, but, you know, with that, you know, we're talking about the cornerback position and, and we could see the 49ers might decide to go corner at pick number 43, but uh, we have another fan question from Bob Coles on Twitter asks, well, what are some of the other needs that we think that the 49ers could be addressing in the draft? We talk about quarterback. We talk about cornerback. Scott, what do you see as some of these big needs? You know, for as productive and successful as the 49ers front office was at keeping their own uh, a very underrated skill um, from a lot of NFL teams, keeping the guys that they want. One that got away was Kendrick Bourne, right? Yeah. But that's mm-hmm. one, a guy who on third and eight always seemed to get nine yards. It's a valuable commodity to have. And to not have him around anymore kind of makes me think they could really use some wide receiver help and some wide receiver depth. I think it could be useful overall, right? That that when you look at their depth chart, it seems a little thin to me. I mean, you obviously like Debo. You obviously like Brandon. Um, but after that, uh, you have... Uh, uh, Sanu, uh, you know, he's a vet, but I, I think to get some more guys in the mix there, I think could be key. Kyle really seems to like versatile players, right? Running backs that can do wide receiver things, um, wide receivers that can do running back things like Debo Samuel, literally running over people um, that maybe there could be somebody who could play inside, play outside, do some of those versatile things that work well within his scheme. Um, that seems like one you think offensive line depth, can't hurt, uh, even though they seem set at tackle with Williams and with Mike uh, McGlinchey getting his fifth round, or, I'm sorry, his fifth year option picked up, that there's more security there. Uh, where do you think edge rusher sits here, Kiana? I, I, I can't seem to wrap my head around in terms of a priority list, in terms of how pressing that need is. Um, where do you think it fits? Uh, would you be surprised or what, or like, what are your expectations for maybe the 49ers going out and uh, trying to get some help? Um, along that defensive front, especially off the edge. Yeah. Um, So I actually got to do a sit down with John Lynch, which is coming up on 49ers.com this week. And, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask, but, you know, it's kind of serious. I don't want to be too jokey jokey, but I wanted to ask, like, so uh, which edge rusher are you getting with number three overall? Because look at the history of the 49ers drafts. Yeah, right. That's about every year. They are always trying to beef up that defensive line. And I remember I talked to John a while ago, and he said one of the most important positions on the field is the quarterback so your job is to how do you how do you counter that and you do that with that pass rush so 49ers always put an emphasis on that position so with that I would not be surprised not saying a third overall but I would not be surprised to see the 49ers trying to beef up that position in some fashion and I say this because it's just we're we're in a state of unknowns you know we we see how Nick Bosa has looked on social media he's looked incredible he looks like he's ready to hit the field tomorrow but still he's working his way back from injury and the same thing with D Ford we're still waiting to get that update on him and dealing with the neck issue and that's a serious injury that's yeah. not something you can just bounce back from so you know you still 
have to weigh these options. I know 49ers, um, they uh, signed a couple of guys we'll talk about in a bit. But I think you want to be sure at that position. And that's one place that John Lynch really likes to put a point of emphasis on. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's not one of their greatest needs. I don't see it as cornerback and wide receiver because you brought up a fantastic point of 49ers are relatively thin beyond Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, a lot of unproven talent, um, not including Muhammad Sanu. But uh, I think that I would put edge rusher, Maybe in a top four, top five of the 49ers needs heading into the draft. Yeah, and I love the, uh, what you said right before we hit the record button about your draft need wild card. That uh, pretty interesting one, I think, that I, uh, that I didn't think of, but I, can, but I can totally see your logic on, on your wild card draft need. Yeah, my wild card draft need, you know, when you think of Kyle Shanahan, and like I'm going to ask you, mm-hmm. you, you know my answer, but I want to see if, if, it, if it matches up. When you think of Kyle Shanahan, you think of one position in particular that he just loves to have fun with and one that he is so masterful with. What position comes to mind? Well, I, I mean, you obviously think about the guy carrying the rock, right? Um, right. The guy, you know, in the backfield that ain't throwing the running back position, uh, mm-hmm. there's so many innovative things that he's done with so many guys you've never heard of who've become right. leaders and things like that. Uh, running back is it. Yeah. So for me, I feel like the running back position could be a wild card in this draft. 49ers, I know they have Raheem Mostert and you have Jeff Wilson Jr. and you have um, Austin Walter or, uh, no, I'm sorry, you have Jermichael Hasty, uh, undrafted guy from last year, still on this roster. But they bring in Wayne Gallman this offseason, and, and that adds a little bit of depth. And I just, I really believe that if Kyle Shanahan has his eye on a guy, it might not be one of those first round flashy talents, but you got to look at what Kyle Shanahan can do with that running back position. And I go back to looking at Matt Breida and how he excelled under Shanahan. I look at Jeff Wilson. And how he's he's developing and exceeding. And, and you know, I'm going to toss it to a question um, that we actually had. Someone asked why the signing of Wayne Gallman when they have Wilson. So why would they make this deal? But Kyle Shanahan doesn't run his offense with just one lead back. He likes to mix them in. He, he likes to kind of, he plays, he plays chess, not checkers. And I think he does that with the running back position too. So I'm not surprised by that this signing it's it's added depth but also i do think that the 49ers might look to the draft to bring in some young talent and also again no spot is secure on this roster we're going to have tons of training camp battles and if they have a way to upgrade at that position they have the opportunity to do so this week yeah and i think that while every fan and everybody wants to help the 2021 49ers excel it's also especially with those later round picks that True, good good playoff teams, good playoff front offices, they hit in rounds three, four, and five. They draft Dre Greenlaws and George Kittles and Fred Warners in those middle rounds, right? Even though those guys may not, not every one of those guys are, 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 are going to be immediate impact players. For as successful as the offseason was and everything that we talked about, about them re-signing people, how many one-year deals are there, right? How right. many... Uh, guys are going to go back into the free agent pool next year. So I think that with all that added into it, right, that you can't help but look like, okay, even if 
even if a running back might not be the pressing need that maybe some other positions are, you got to look to the future a little bit too and find somebody who is under a rookie deal who's going to be relatively cheap and could still fit into what they like to do. Um, so that's why, you know, I really liked it. That's why I brought it up uh, here, you know, um, you know, now that we're going, just because I, I think it's a really interesting concept, something for fans to keep in the back of their mind, especially yeah. when we get into day three and we get down to maybe names that we don't know anymore, kind of just having that in the back of your mind, hey, maybe they're going to do this. Maybe they're going to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Might be a fun Saturday exercise for uh, 49ers who will already know three draft picks, but have several more coming uh, on Saturday. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah, let's play 49ers bingo. We'll have bingo cards and we'll... <laughs> Let's 49ers select a, a running back, an edge rusher in the third or fourth, fifth round. But you're right. That's their money round. You look at those names. I mean, at that at that time, who knew George Kittle would be George Kittle, a fifth round guy who is now arguably one of the best tight ends in the league. Uh, and the 49ers seem to really hit on that sweet spot, those those later round guys. I'm going to throw DJ Jones in that mix, too. So another name that, you know. Might not have been the most well-known name, but look at what he's been able to do and how he's been able to contribute. But uh, speaking of signings, I talked about Wayne Gallman, but 49ers added some talent on defense last week. Guys around your neck of the woods, Maurice Hurst and Arden Key, two guys you covered with the Raiders since they've been in the league. But what can you tell us about both of these guys, what they might bring and how they might fit into the 49ers' needs and plans? Yeah, I think that that Maurice Hurst pickup was I'll just say excellent. Um, for, for to have him get cut, I was shocked. And he was a person that uh, he has a he has a documented heart condition that has never come up in his football playing days as an amateur or as a pro, but it exists. And it seemed to drop his draft stock from maybe early second round, low first round pick to the fifth round. Right. But again, that's the, the physical issues have never been a problem. And I can tell you, this guy can play some three technique. He's in the top, maybe 35 uh, defensive tackles in terms of pass rush ability on, on uh, pro football focus. He gets off the snap really quickly. He's a better run defender than he gets credit for, I think, because he's not a massive nose tackle necessarily. And when you can add him to the mix of Javon Kinlaw and, uh, yeah. you know, Jones and that, that he's going to be a good role player for this team. I think he's going to be a very active player on Sundays. Also one of the best humans I've met in an NFL locker room, just a genuine down to earth guy that's, that's really going to get along well uh, within a pretty tight knit group. So I think that's a big late pickup that 49ers fans will look back on at the end of the year and be like, we got that guy in late April. Like, how is that possible? Um, the Arden Key thing is is more of a bunch of question marks, right? Because he's a guy with, I think, two career sacks in almost three seasons, not a lot of production. But if you go back and you look at his junior year from LSU, the guy's like unbelievable, unstoppable. He has all the physical traits that you want, the bend, the, the, the drive, the speed off the edge. Um, he had trouble with the Raiders keeping weight on. He he bulk up in you know 250, 260, and then during the season it would come back off just through the natural kind of wear and tear. 
um, of the game. So he's a real wild card. Maybe he's a contributor, maybe he's not. But I think any time that you have a defensive line coach as respected as Chris um, uh, Kosarek, right, who wants you, and maybe you want to see what he can do with Arden Key, it at least should pique uh, 49ers fans' interest during training camp and when you can kind of get to see him try to get fight back into the mix. Um, it could be interesting. That's a real wild card signing there where I think that Mo Hurst is one of those guys that, in my opinion, you're going to be able to pen into the depth chart and really uh, count on as a pretty solid role player uh, going into the next season. Yeah, 49ers fans should be excited to hear about that. And especially you talk about one of the the greatest guys, a locker room guy and being in there. Uh, 49ers preach about culture. Mm-hmm. A lot. And that's just adding to what they're already building. You know, I know we hear a lot about, you know, grabbing guys, these free agents, these free agents, but it's not just the talent that John and Kyle assess, but it's also what do they bring to the locker room? You know, that's one thing that they pride themselves on. And, and I can even attest to that. So that's just another example of that. And a great pickup for the 49ers right there. Like you said, surprised by that, that release i was as well but last thing before we wrap this up because i can't keep you too long scott so (laughs) i got a fan question from steven charles from charlotte north carolina but a bay area guy wants to say wants to know everyone thinks the 49ers are looking for another quarterback in the first round but the remaining choices to him don't seem as appealing so what's your thoughts if the 49ers take maybe an o-lineman a guard or a tackle uh instead of maybe going quarterback and i'm gonna change this question a little bit because i don't i'm gonna be honest i don't see that happening uh 49ers i think to move up and give a, give up everything that they have uh for this number three overall pick to grab a guard or a tackle when they're pretty much set on the O line. It does not make sense in my mind. So I'm gonna switch this question and I'm gonna throw out one of the flashier names that is the talk of the draft, Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Uh he's tied in out of Florida. People saying the best behind Trevor Lawrence, the best player in this draft. But do you see any surprises happening with this number three overall pick? Uh if if it's not a quarterback, you'd be able to knock me down with a feather. I, just uh I'd just keel over somebody'd have to rub the smelling salts on because I'd be knocked out from sheer uh, surprise. And it would be the best ruse in the history of the NFL for Kyle and John to come out during the pre-draft press con- pre-draft press conference, say that three times fast. Uh and say we're going to take uh, we're looking for a starting quarterback and then they don't take a quarterback that would be quite something so that's not something that i would anticipate despite the fact that pairing george kittle and kyle pitts together would um drive opposing defensive coordinators literally insane like break up the straight jackets type of a thing but uh this was a play for a quarterback this was a trade for a quarterback this was a trade for an element of control that the 49ers have uh, given their unique circumstances, uh, what they need, uh, what they want. um, And they're in a position to more than most control their own destiny uh, in a way uh, that few get, unless you're the absolute number one overall pick. Uh, So I I think for that reason, they did what they had to do. And you know what? I keep saying it. If they, it doesn't matter if you like or don't like the pick, on Thursday, right? It matters if you like or you don't like what that quarterback is able to do as a rookie and a second year player. And something tells me that, uh, you know, whether it's Mac Jones or uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance, right? That whoever they pick, 
or you know that there's going to be somebody who on draft day says that draft pick stinks. I don't like it. And guess what? That same person who, if that quarterback takes them into the draft, they won't say they were wrong, but they will say, man, I love this guy. Let's go buy a jersey for my kid, right? <laughs> that, that, that person can be the same person and say those separate things. So um, it's all about getting to the beat. It's getting to the second tweet, right? It's not the first one. It's getting to the second tweet that matters. Uh, and that's ultimately you know, what you have to really put faith in the 49ers decision makers um, at this point. And, uh, and the 49ers decision makers have given themselves an ability to, again, to control what they do here uh, in, in large part. It's why it's interesting, why it's fascinating, and why, as you brought up very smartly at the start of this pod, is a good way to end it. This number three pick will be a domino that gets pushed, right? That could create absolute, totally awesome and fun chaos uh, all the way down the draft board. So chaos, chaos is the perfect word to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. The dominoes will fall. 49ers keeping their cards close to their chest and rightfully so. It will certainly be a very large shock if the 49ers did decide to go a different direction. I would be blown away. Honestly, they were truly, I think, they 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 would blindside the entire league if they decided to go that direction. So I don't necessarily see that happening. I believe they have their eyes on a prospect, maybe two that they really have uh, honed in on for that number three overall pick. And we will find out in a matter of days. NFL draft kicks off Thursday, April 29th, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And we will finally put to bed this discussion, these debates between who will be the 49ers number three overall pick. But with that, Scott, I appreciate the time. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Let, I think you and I are going to do this after the draft. Should we Should we get together and maybe analyze what has transpired over the week? Yeah, this was so much fun. I think maybe we could pencil in some time for that. Uh, spending all this time talking about what they could do, really breaking down what they have done and how it fits. Um, and what it means for the 2021, 22, 23, 24 49ers. Uh, going to be just as fascinating, just, to, just as interesting as the lead-up. Uh, the follow-up's going to be fun, too. Yeah, we'll definitely be here to check it out and make sure don't forget to check out Scott's content on 49ers.com. We'll have it all week long. Appreciate the time, and uh, let's get ready for Thursday. You know it. Cannot get here fast enough. Mm-hmm.